Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their insights. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On today's episode, Hat Talks joins me to discuss being a speech and language therapist, creating a post-diagnosis workbook for autistics, and autism assistance dog training. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Pat, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, and I wanted to start our conversation by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? So I've actually been working with autistic people and neurodivergent people of all types for around five years as a speech therapist. But I spent a lot of that time with really ableist views as part of my training, which seems to be the case for a lot of people, and didn't realize my own autistic identity within those five years. And eventually at the age of 26, I received my autism diagnosis. So I really started to learn about autism from that point. So I don't feel like from my training, I knew really what autism was, which is really disappointing. But from actually connecting with the neurodivergent community after receiving my diagnosis, it's completely changed my views on what autism is and how everybody experiences their own autism very differently. And it's just continued growth and understanding, I guess. Now, you mentioned you're a speech and uh, language therapist, and uh, you've written a book, the uh, Post-Diagnosis Handbook for Autistic People. So I'm wondering if there are ways in regards to being a speech and language therapist that have like particularly shaped your perspective in writing this book. Yeah, definitely. So... I guess a lot of the things that are in the book are around autistic communication style differences and how we might communicate differently to the neurotypical population. So kind of what that looks like from a very sort of differences rather than deficits sort of view, but also acknowledging that we will have some difficulties. And yeah, it's just, I think the way I try and word things because I'm a speech therapist I kind of know how to adapt language in a way that's accessible for more people and just kind of the structure of things as well. But sort of knowing and guiding families as well through after an assessment, what they might want to know for their autistic child, etc. It's been quite helpful to be a speech therapist, I think. Now, the uh, post-diagnosis uh, handbook for autistic people was uh, written workbook style, which I think is uh, a style that can be really helpful to a lot of different people. Why did you decide to write the handbook in this style? I kind of do things without thinking too much. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of the time, 
just things come out of my brain and I grab onto them and do them and don't have too much thought about it. However, I kind of looked back on it and sort of thought, well, no, actually, it makes sense why I did that because I read books as an adhd and I don't really read the book. I can, I can read a whole page without processing any of the information that's there unless there's something like an activity to do combined in with the words I'm reading. I, for my ADHD brain, I feel like that really, really helps. But also, I think a lot of the time, if we just read things, we don't really reflect on what that means to us. So by helping people to connect what I'm saying and my experience with their own lived experience, I feel like it helps for processing things a lot better, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, you know, I know you're uh, semi-speaking, you're a part-time AAC user. Are there ways that you think being an AAC C user has helped you to be a better uh, SLP, a better speech and language therapist? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's massively transformed the way that I understand and think about AAC. So previously, I would sort of recommend AAC to people and be like, give it a try. It's great. And I was always of that mindset that speech is not the best option for everyone and it's not the gold standard of communication and I've always believed that but I've also had a lot of internalized ableism I felt very much like I was contradicting what my beliefs were a lot of the time when I was encouraging people to go and use AAC because I didn't realize how hard it was and I'd from being a child was forced into speech which I think a lot of parents do do and a lot of educators do do because if you see a child communicating verbally most of the time, you think, well, they must be able to speak, so let's make them speak. So I kind of was educated to speak when I shouldn't really have been speaking. And so I didn't really use it growing up that much. And so I didn't understand the barriers until I started using it as an adulthood and was like, whoa, okay, this is a lot more than I thought it was. And there's so many more barriers and we really need to educate communication partners that are communicating with the AAC user to actually understand how to better support them in that environment and in that conversation, etc. So yeah, now when I work with a lot of semi-speaking autistic young people, I demonstrate I'm very open with my own diagnosis and I share the fact that I'm semi-speaking and it has worked absolute wonders with the young people because they're like, oh, somebody else is like me. This, I can do this. This is fine. It's not a problem. It's breaking down barriers and it's making it more accessible and okay for people to feel that they can use it. Like in terms of breaking down barriers, I think it's really important what you said about the communication partners. Like a lot of times it's focused on the AAC user. Like what are some things that communication partners can do better to support the AAC user that they're communicating with? 
I think it's about a, a huge part is making sure that you give the person time to respond. A lot of the time in conversations, it's so fast paced that you really need to just let them take a minute to process what they actually want to say, put it into the device or whatever they're using and formulate a response because it's not going to be as quick as a conversation that you're used to. But I also think it's it's around being respectful as well. I think a lot of people, when, when I've used AAC in the community, a lot of people just look at me like, why are you using that? It's almost, it's that, going back to that narrative of you don't look disabled, which I'm saying in air quotes, because it's, it's really, really harmful. And it makes a lot of AAC users like myself go, oh, actually, I don't want to use it because I don't want to get those looks. I don't want to get those responses. So I think it's about the communication partner just accepting whatever communication comes their way and responding to it in a positive way. I'm very uncomfortable with like a lot of formal assessments that are given to children and adults just to the point in my own personal life like I was hesitant to go for a formal assessment regarding autism as you know because of that so I'm wondering what what's your perspective as an SLP regarding formal or standardized assessments particularly for your neurodivergent clients Firstly, I'm sorry that you've had, you know, an experience that that makes you feel that way. And I completely understand it. I myself feel very uncomfortable with standardized assessments. I make a point of not doing them. (laughs) So I know a lot of speech therapists do do. And it is very much kind of the gold standard of, of how we assess. However, I think times are changing. And I think people are starting to realize that actually, oh, no, it's not the best tool. Sometimes I will use aspects of a formal assessment. Aspects, not the whole thing, because they are very dry and boring. And sort of use them in a different way. So I don't compare to standardized norms. And I take away from it information about functional communication rather than what we're just seeing on an in an exam because that's what it is it's like taking an exam I think the thing was I've since going into practice I've never really done standardized assessments because I looked at it and thought I can't do this and whether I had awareness of it or not it just didn't feel right to me so yeah I very much kind of understand that we are standardizing assessments based on a certain group of people and if we are comparing a let's say an autistic person's communication profile we're comparing it to a neurotypical and it's just two completely different neurotypes you can't compare i saw i made a post about this the other day and because one of my special interests is dogs um, i compared it to that and said you go to the vets you would never compare my cockapoo's development and growth based on a labrador because they're just they're two different breeds so you wouldn't call the cockapoo a disordered labrador because they're not the same thing so why are we then comparing autistic people to allistic people and saying that the autistic person is disordered 
so yeah it's definitely something that I'm working through and trying to make a change with but yeah it's for a lot of people I think it's something that is still widely used and Hat, how can our listeners uh, learn about you beyond uh, this interview? I'm very busy. <laughs> I have a website, which is hattalks.uk, and that has quite a lot of resources and things like that. I've also got, I've made a resource page on there that's all kind of social media accounts to follow, books to download, things like that from external sources. But mainly, I'm on Instagram, so I do a lot of work on Instagram. I, it's like daily posts. <laughs> yeah, you can tell it's a special interest. So that's, yeah, at hat.talks.uk. And those are kind of my main places to have a look at. And, uh, you know, you were talking about your dog just a couple minutes ago, and I follow you on Instagram, and I see your cute dog on there uh, fairly regularly. I know your dog from what I understand is going through autism assistance dog training. How, I'm, I'm wondering like what's been the impact on both of your lives with this training? Uh, yeah, it's amazing. So we're actually, so he's, he was initially pet dog and then we've gone to a company to, for them to support me to train him. So it's quite a lot of hard work, but I honestly feel like his temperament is perfect. He's been so good at it, and I mean, he's so happy to do the training. I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, it's a lot of work for a dog, and they won't get their playtime and things like that, but actually, he, honestly, my dog has the best life. <laughs> <laughs> he's treated like an absolute king, but yeah, he just, he's so happy, and I think I posted a video the other day of us training in the supermarket, and someone commented and said, all the wagging and the smiling that he does is while he's training. And it does feel like that, you know, I think like our bond has massively improved. Well, not that it was bad, but our, our bond has been like so much better and he's just amazing. And the first food shop that we did, I mean, I get really overwhelmed in supermarkets. Don't know about other people, but yeah, I hate it. And basically the first time that we went and he did his training with me was the first time I've come away from a shop and not been overloaded and I just sat in the car and I just cried my eyes out because I was just so happy and I think that's the thing with so much is changing because he's able to support me grocery stores are super overwhelming I'm sure a lot of people listening will agree with that you're far from the only one was it just like the emotional support in the grocery store or what were like what were the things that like he was able to to give to you that made it not as overwhelming? So I guess it's hard to tell because at the minute he's in very early stages of training. So he's not he's not trained specifically to be able to perform many tasks right now. So it is a lot to do with emotional support at the moment but you know at times he was providing some sensory feedback so proprioceptive feedback he was putting his paws on me and just sitting on me and things like that when we were waiting in the queue and it's just very much kind of a bit of a reference point so whenever I'm in a supermarket I look down and he's looking at me so it's just that attunement and yeah he's just 
he's just so tuned in it's ridiculous yeah it just it just makes it easier knowing that I've got something to focus on rather than all the sensory overwhelm that's going on around me if that makes some sense it absolutely makes a lot a lot of sense uh, I always love hearing like you know in overwhelming environments like grocery stores or restaurants or all different types of places things that help people so that's so it's wonderful to hear and it was wonderful to uh, talk with you today, Hat. Thanks so much for taking a little bit of time to talk with me. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really nice to speak to you. Thanks so much to Hat for the conversation. To learn more about Hat, please check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. At Autism Personal Coach, our clients are the experts, our coaches are the guides. The majority of supports for autistics are not helpful. They try to fix us, not support us. That's why many are confused when we say our clients are the experts. The experts of their lived experience. Our clients are the experts for what has worked for them and about the things that they need and want in their lives. Our coaches first listen to our clients, then ask questions offer resources, and strategize with our clients so they can get what they need to thrive. Would you want a guide in your life like Obi-Wan or Mr. Miyagi to coach you to get the things you desire? If so, then visit AutismPersonalCoach.com for more information. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend foe or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable and educational experience as you when listening to Autism Stories. Be very much appreciated. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.